We live in a society that values comfort, and sometimes uh, we don't realize how significant that is until the things that we accrue and acquire to bring us comfort in life stop working. And for me, there are few things that are worse than that when a pillow goes bad. That can ruin an entire week. I don't know if you found the same thing to be true. A couple weeks ago, my pillows just wasn't working. I guess I slept on it wrong or something. Gave me a crick in the neck that lasted for a week. I mean, I couldn't, like, I couldn't turn my head, which is, which is terrible. And I know you've probably had that same type of thing happen where you go through, you had your favorite pillow, it, you slept perfectly on it, and then one day you had to replace it. And I don't know, I don't know how you pick out a pillow. Like, how do you get the same one that's already broken in? Do you look for a stuffing count? Like, is that a thing? I know there's thread count for sheets, maybe stuffing count for pillows or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your process is. I found myself really finding, like, when I go to a hotel or something like that, I will judge my stay on the hotel based on how comfortable the pillows are. I don't know if you do the same thing. For me, uh, an extremely close second is how clean the sheets are for the whole hotel thing. Uh, you know, so there's a premium on that. I've gone camping and forgotten my little camp you know, camping pillow, and, and it's awful. I mean, try to bunch up clothes and sleep on the backpack and use that as a pillow. It just doesn't work. It's not the same. You need to have, I don't know, hashtag first world problems, right? You know, but the pillow, like, it, it can be the foundation for amazing things to happen in your life. And, of course, you need a comfortable bed. My bed right now, like, has just got a dip in it. I just kind of roll into it, and I'm in the same spot, so we're shopping for a mattress. How long is that going to take? You know, I mean, it's hard to find a mat. It's got to be comfortable. It's got to last, all those kinds of things. There's so many things that, you know, well, you need a comfortable bed. Well, you need a comfortable house to have the bed in. It's nice to have a comfortable car, especially on a day like this with cold, rainy, and that kind of thing. There's so many things that we put a premium on in comfort in this life, but we all know that comfortable doesn't last. Like at some point, the favorite pillow, the favorite chair, the favorite bed, the favorite blanket it gets ruined. It flattens out. It's not comfortable anymore. And it would be nice to have a garage full of replacement lazy boys, you know, just kind of switch that out. But it just doesn't work that way, right? A tiny note. We're together on that. He, he's picking up what I'm putting down. The other thing that we'll do, just to be comfortable, even for the briefest moment as a society, a culture, we will do things that are objectively bad for us just to feel comfortable for a moment. Eat an entire package of Oreos. Not that I've ever done anything like that. Just to feel comfortable in that moment. Here's the, here's the truth about comfort and our relationship with that in our life. Comfort really just describes a situation and experience in life that we're used to, not necessarily something that is actually better for us or a better life experience for us. Comfort is really the path of least resistance in our life. Sit in your comfortable chair, take a measurement of the position of your head, like at the beginning and then at the end. By the time I sit in a comfortable chair, I realize like I've slid down three feet, almost in the, in the floor. Comfort is the path of least resistance in our life. And the most significant life choice that you and I can make is whether or not we will slide through life and pursue comfort, or decide to be challenged and drawn to the vision that God has for our lives. That is the most significant choice that you will make in your life. 
Um, one of the things that we're doing, and Chip is going to talk a little bit about this later on, is that we're signing up for gel groups right now as a church, and we do this a couple different times uh, throughout the year. And it's interesting how well this fits together because our gel groups are called Fit in 50 Days for this emphasis at the beginning of the year for a church because we want to be fit for what God has called us to do. And one of the things that we know in order for that to be true in any area of life is that it's not going to be comfortable to be fit It's not going to be comfortable for us to follow what God has called us into in this life because it takes work and it takes effort to not be who we are naturally. There are a number of ways in which I can think my life would be a whole lot more comfortable if I wasn't deeply convicted and committed to the call that God has on my life to follow where he leads And I believe the same is true for all of us. And here's the greatest comfort that you can experience. The greatest comfort that you can experience in this life is knowing that you are committed to and deciding to grow in the things that truly matter in this life. All of us have that choice and all of us have that decision to make. And that's why we're closing up this series uh, called Altars with the Altar of Decision. Because how you and I are prepared for following God requires us to choose purpose over comfort and to exchange a natural way of living for a divinely directed way of living in our lives. So we're going to be looking at this guy named Jacob. He's in Genesis chapter 28, or at least the story that we're going to be looking at in his life is there. So if your Bible's with you, you can turn to that. Jacob is an interesting guy. Um, If you remember a few weeks back, we talked about Abraham and Isaac, and Abraham was kind of the lead patriarch for the development of the Israelite nation. Well, Jacob is his grandson, and Jacob is the guy who the Israelite nation is actually named after. God later changes his name from Jacob to Israel. He becomes the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons that become, you know, the patriarchs for those tribes. Um, But Jacob's Name and one of the reasons why God changes is because Jacob's name uh, actually means deceiver. So he sounds like a great guy already, right? If you know a little bit about a story, he's the younger twin. Uh, his older brother is Esau, and Jacob kind of started off his life pursuing what he was thinking would set him up in the future for living a comfortable, uh, well-led life. He ended up. Uh, Esau was kind of stupid, but he ended up tricking Esau out of his inheritance. So he, he took that for so the firstborn inheritance, like that included a lot, all the, all the uh, proceeds of, you know, after the father's death at that point, the patriarch's death would go to the firstborn son. It was a considerable amount. You actually kind of took on the mantle of, of the father. He took that away from Esau. He actually took, he faked his father out when he was blind and pretended to be Esau so that he would take the best primary blessing from his father. He was kind of a, he was a punk, really. I mean, Jacob was terrible. And at this point, um, he was running for his life in Genesis chapter 28. He didn't really think things through as much. Esau was a hunter. And, and so one of the things that Esau liked to do is kill living things. And so Jacob happened to be one of the things that became in his crosshair. And so we find Jacob, who had been pursuing everything that he thought he wanted in life, on the run, being pursued angrily by his brother. And so Jacob has left his hometown. He's setting out for some uh, extended family. They lived in Haran. And when he reached a certain place, as he's traveling away, he stops for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. 
It's kind of weird. I don't think I would, even if I didn't have a pillow with me, I would use a stone uh, to sleep on a pillow like that. But Jacob was a pretty hard-headed guy. Yep. That just happened. And while he's sleeping, while he's in the midst of this everyday, normal, mundane activity, God shows up and changes his life, as he does. Because here's what we have to decide on when it comes to an encounter with God, is that God gives us a vision for life. And he gives a voice and direction for how to pursue that life. And you and I are confronted with a choice as to whether or not we're going to make a vow to follow through on what God has called us to do. And this is the same pattern that happens to Jacob in this moment in his life. And so Jacob is laying there and he has a dream, starting in verse 12 of Genesis chapter 28. He has a dream in which he sees a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So you thought Led Zeppelin came up with Stairway to Heaven. God was the OG there. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had a crazy dream? Like one of those things, like, man, this has got to mean something. There's, there's got to be some meaning to this. And I, I don't know if you've ever had that. I've had some crazy dreams, none of which I'll share this morning. Uh, but never one in which I thought, man, this definitely needs to be interpreted, or I need some, maybe this means seven years of famine is coming, or something like that. And I don't know if maybe if you've had one of those that seems like really true to life, or that impacts things. Um, but there's probably been, at some point, a moment in life where you've thought about, man, if I could pick how I wanted my life to look, this is how it would be. Like, this is the vision, this is the dream that I have in how I want my life to be. The question is, and the thing that God confronts us with in our life, is whether or not we are going to pursue the dream that we have for our lives or pursue the dream and vision that God has for our lives. See, one of the things that God does as he uh, interacts with Jacob here, as he sees this visual, is he sees this stairway to heaven, this Jacob's ladder that we talk about. Um, and, and he looks at this, and one of the things I think that's most significant is that the first thing that God starts off with in showing Jacob is where his place is. Because Jacob's not at the top. And yeah, God's talking about all these ways he's going to use him, and the earth is going to be blessed through him and all this kind of stuff. But Jacob's at the very bottom of that, and God is the one at the top. And the first thing that God shows Jacob is, hey, this is where your place is. When you talk about the grand scheme of life and significance and stuff like that, man, just remember, I'm up here and you're down here. So as you're about to make your decision and make your choices in life and choose like how you're going to follow me and react to what I'm about to tell you, just remember who you are and where you are in the grand scheme of life. This is Jacob's first personal encounter with God. As God introduces himself to Jacob, he says, hey, I'm the God of your uh, father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. Uh, and Jacob has yet to make a choice as to whether or not God is going to be his God as well. And this is the moment and the vision that he's given 
and confronted with. At the end of the day, in Jacob's life, he has come to this moment because he's chosen the vision that he wanted to pursue in his life. He wanted the inheritance. He wanted the best blessing. He wanted to be set up and have a comfortable life and everything go well for him. And look where he was now. His older brother was ticked at him. He was running away for his life. And all he wanted at that point is just to make it through safely with the clothes on his back and some food to eat as he travels, travels along. See, there's a vision that we get from the world. There's a basic sensibility that, that we think that humanity offers and will compromise for the heights of achievement, but all we receive in return is emptiness, isolation, and loneliness. God's vision to Jacob, even the lowliest, a deceiver, a hypocrite, is to offer the heights of heaven. And even the lowliest among us can attain this as long as we're not distracted and consumed with the vision that the world offers us, the dreams that we come up with ourselves, pitted up against what God offers us in our lives. See, God just doesn't, doesn't just give Jacob a vision. He also gives a voice to this and gives him exactly what his life is going to look like and what he must pursue in order to achieve that. He says, hey, you're going to be a great nation. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and through your offering. I will be with you. He's going to provide everything that he needs through that. That's a pretty big deal. And as long as Jacob is faithful in that and trusting in God, the first step of that ladder, everything's going to work out exactly the way God wants it to. And we know the end of the story. Because as we look through Jacob's line and what happens as a result of the nation of Israel, we get God's son. And the entire earth is blessed as a result of that. Jesus changes the world. And so Jacob has this choice. He doesn't know what's actually going to happen in the future, but he's confronted with this decision in this moment. And here's what he does. In verse 16 of chapter 28, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. See, Jacob takes this dream and vision that God gives him, and he doesn't just look at it and say, man, that's cool. That's a neat perspective, and, that, and that's cool. Like, man, God is, is awesome, and that's great, and then continue on with his life. No, he stops everything, and he makes an altar. He said, from this point forward, after this interaction, what God has shown me and what he has called me to do in my life, everything else has to change. This moment, everything else, from this moment on, everything else in my life has to flow from this place because of who God is, where he is on the scale of things, and where I am, and how I should dedicate my life from this point forward. He takes the rock, and he sets it up as an altar. He takes his pillow, and he sets it up as a pillar. He exchanges his comfort for purpose. God takes the mundane, and he takes the everyday little decisions that we make and little choices that we have throughout our lives, he takes a rock and he makes it into something sacred by his presence. And because that's true, one of the cautions for you and me as we live in this world is to be careful about what voice we're listening to. 
and what vision we're being pulled to in life. Thinking about who we're giving permission to speak into who we are and how we live out our day to day. I would like to think, I'd like to think that most of us, all of our decisions are conscious ones. But you and I both know that's not true. We're marketed to, we're manipulated, we're drawn into, I mean, we're socially engineered to have conditioned responses to products, to political ideologies, to social interactions. I mean, there's so many voices directly and indirectly trying to influence and pull us in so many different directions. God wants us to hear his voice first, to be guided by his voice primarily. Hopefully, all of the choices that I make, every decision that I make, whether it's big or whether it's mundane, is something that I can trace back to and look and say, hey, this is, this is what God has called me to. This is the direction he has pointed me in my life. Because once God makes his vision and his, uh, and his voice known in our lives, like, we get to choose whether or not we're going to make a vow to follow through in what he's called us to. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 22, Jacob makes a vow and says, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of that, all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So Jacob makes a vow. And, and it's interesting I think initially when you read this, you might think, ah, oh, he's kind of bargaining with God, and if God does this, he'll, he'll do this. But, but think about what Jacob is asking for God to do in his life. He's simply asking for God to provide what he needs in order to exist and to carry on. All Jacob asks are for clothes, for shelter, for food, and safe travel. And if that is the case, if God will enable him to do what he's called him to do, that's all Jacob is asking, then he is going to give everything out of gratitude in his life back to him. He's going to give a tenth of all his possessions back to God. He gives this vow that he's going to base everything that he does in life from this point forward on what God has called him to do. And here's this quote, um, this, this has been attributed to a number of different people, and I always try to find out who originally said this, and I think it's just a piece of wisdom that's been passed on through the years because it's attributed to a lot of different people. But, but listen to this, we may spend our whole life climbing the ladder of success only to find that when we get to the top that our ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Just to be blunt, um, most people in life have their ladder leaning against the wrong wall. I've had my ladder leaning against the wrong wall. You've had your ladder leaning against the wrong wall. And yet God calls us to a different type of decision, a different type of, of living, a different way of approaching life, a different path and idea and concept of what success actually looks like. And for Jacob... His response and the vision and voice that God gave him was, man, if I just have what I need in order to survive, that you enable me to accomplish what you've called me to do, that's enough. And I'm going to give you everything as a result from that. See, this vow that Jacob makes is the decision before the decision. 
That's the thing that's going to make the difference for your life. Is a vow, your decision that you make before God and how you choose to trust in Him is the decision that you make before you're confronted with the situation that you struggle with or the temptation that you deal with. It's the decision to say, hey, how I interact in this situation, how I handle this moment in my life has already been decided and already been defined by how God has called me to live out my life in this moment. See, there are a few things that God can't do. God can't lie, he can't change, he can't be surprised, and he also can't be second in our life. Any place other than first and what he's offered to us doesn't happen. This stairway to heaven, this, this invitation to experience the heights of joy with him. It's not enough just to have this vision and to like this ideal that God offers We also have to decide to change our lives and build our lives around that as well. See, the altar of decision requires life-altering decisions in our life. You think through how many times have you been shaken up by God and said, man, okay, I know I need to change this thing in my life, and I know this is not exactly what I should be doing, or I I know this this is a change I need to make at some point, and you just have never done it. You just kind of let it slide. You remain in the same place in your life. You like the idea of living a changed life, but you're still stressed or busy or anxious or lazy or angry or bitter or you're a critic or you're a gossip or you're addicted. So many voices that are vying for your attention and my attention. And when those things went out, they let us know that we've stopped listening to God's voice and direction and accepted someone else's, or relied on our own. Don't slide through your life. Decide. Make the decision before the decision. Each and every day, what are the things that you're confronted with? See, part of it is recognizing that comfort it is not, not success. But being uncomfortable and being guided by God, growing in the things that matter, that is. So maybe there's something in your life where you need to be uncomfortable in. Maybe taking that first rung on the step of the ladder and trusting Jesus and saying, man, you know, I know we do this thing, the Bible talks about this thing called baptism where you get dunked in the water and a lot of times it's in front of other people and sometimes the water's not heated, and that's kind of crazy, and that sounds uncomfortable, and I don't understand it. But the picture that God calls us into is making this vow and making the decision of everything that is evil and separates us away from him is washed away, both past, present, and future. And that's the picture that we step into when we make that decision. It's that type of foundational way of living that God calls us to. Maybe it's time to get uncomfortable and make and take that next step in your faith. Is your marriage not all that great? A lot of times it seems comfortable to just kind of ignore that and kind of brush it on the rug and like, well, we'll keep going and it'll be fine until to the moment it's not. Maybe it's time to get uncomfortable. Go to counseling. Talk with that family friend that you have. Let somebody know that you're struggling. Maybe God has blessed you with talents and abilities that you're keeping to yourself and you're not sharing with other people. Maybe it's time to get uncomfortable and to do ministry 
and what he's called you to do with the things that he's gifted with you with. Maybe it's time to serve other people in the church, your neighbors, people at your work. Maybe it's time to give generously. Jacob makes the decision before the decision. He had nothing in this moment that he decided, hey, I'm going to give a tenth of everything to God, which seems like, oh, that's an easy decision to make when you have, have nothing. Jacob became a very wealthy man and still followed through that decision with him. If you don't make the decision then, when you don't have anything to follow through that commitment, you're sure not when you got everything that you think that you want. Maybe it's time to call up that person who hurt you and deal with that pain that you've been carrying for too long. Maybe it's time for you to call the person that you hurt. Maybe you're addicted to porn. Maybe you're addicted to substances. Maybe you're addicted to your phone. Maybe it's time to make the decision before the decision to be a little bit uncomfortable so you can finally realize what God has called you to. Maybe it's about thinking less about yourself and checking on others and caring for others more. Maybe it's about praying for one another in the moment when they're asking you for it rather than walking away and forgetting to later on and being uncomfortable. Maybe it's about being and growing in relationship with one another. Maybe it's about sharing Jesus finally with the people that are around you that are desperate to hear about him. Maybe, maybe the uncomfortable part for you is to stop being offended by everything. Maybe the uncomfortable part is to start choosing and making the decision to be full of joy and grace and gratitude because of what God has done through Jesus. Even a deceiver like Jacob, even an imperfect person, a messed up guy like that can be called by God if we build that altar of decision, make that decision and see what God does. Turn our pillows into pillars and see how he moves in our lives. Because here's the promise that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites every single one of us into this altar of decision, and his yoke and his teaching as the Son of God is good. And we can bear it because the real rest and comfort that we need in this life is for our souls. Knowing that Jesus has provided what we need foundationally allows us to follow God intentionally. The rest that Jesus offers is so that we, empowered by the Holy Spirit, can live out the life that God has given us a vision for. One that pursues His holiness and his guiding and direction because it puts into proper perspective the gratitude he is due for the salvation he provides. So maybe, it's, maybe the decision is to be a little bit uncomfortable. And maybe, maybe like you need to start your faith journey at this point and move forward. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to repent and confess something. And you can do that with the people that you're sitting next to. You can do that with me, you can do that with Chip, you can do that with Adrian, you can do that with our elders, but you have to make that decision, and you have to decide to take that first step. God calls us into a little bit of discomfort so that we can grow into who he's called us to be. Every week at Velocity, we remind ourselves of that because we take 
communion together. And we take this bread and we take this cup that represents the broken body of Jesus and his blood that is spilled out. And this is not a comfortable moment. This is a moment of tension. This is a a moment of discomfort for us because it's a reminder of where we've been and where God is and what it takes and the distance that separates us from. But the joy in that is that Jesus has closed the gap with his death, burial, and resurrection. And that we get to decide to live the life that God has always called us to live and to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, the fact that you even accept us in the space to bring glory to you and worship to you. God, give us uh, the strength and the power through your Holy Spirit um, to be enabled to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.